a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes Scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. To see, to see the face of God is to be destroyed. So God now veils himself in, in the flesh and blood of Jesus, and he uses that, those means, namely his flesh and his blood, his life and, and his death, he uses those means to save us. And when we were baptized at the font with God's name placed upon us in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, with the sign of the cross being placed upon our forehead and our hearts marking as ones redeemed, we were adopted as sons of God. Uh, I think. Oh, huh? 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 <laughs> oh, oh. Are we doing the show now? Is that theme over? Hey, time for another edition of Table Talk Radio. Welcome, Pastor Wolf Mueller. Hello. You ready for some. Oh, it's very electronic. Uh, yeah, it is. Hey, look what we're doing today. We have a new game on the, on the docket for Table Talk Radio. Oh, man, this is my favorite new game. Oh, I love this new game. It won't be after we play it. This is inspired by uh, one of our uh, fellow pastors in the ministry who refused to come on. Is that right? He he said, I would never come on that radio show. He refused. That... <laughs> yeah, ever. Yeah. Okay. He either said, I will never, ever be associated with you, or I'm busy. Have me on next time. Yeah, one of the he two. He said happened. one of those two things. <laughs> yeah. And then we're also doing a little preaching to Hollywood. Uh, this game and is called... Some... It, well, oh. you didn't tell what the game is called. The game is called uh, Kick the Dog, Console the Child. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good name right there. All right. <laughs> we'll explain that as we get to it. This way, this way it'll give them a reason to stay tuned uh, for into at least the third segment of the yeah. program. But they'll have to endure the second segment of the program, which is Preaching to Hollywood. Uh, we have um, uh, a song or two to... to analyze there and to uh i don't know why we play that game really um then f- finishing up uh, everyone's favorite game it's a new ten fan favorite in the news holly preaching to hollywood is ten commandments. it's because they're yeah. so worldly ah just worldliness that's what it is <laughs> let's <laughs> listeners. let's let's get the host of table doc radio <laughs> shut up for two minutes so we can listen to some music I just, that's so some decent songs that's I what's know. really behind it well, all right but first we got some emails and some buzzwords so um Pastor Wolfmiller, what's your theological buzzword for me? My buzzword for you is Heidelberg Catechism. I was doing random Theopedia articles, and for some reason it stopped pulling up random ones after this. So I think it was probably, this was predestined to be the theological buzzword today. So here's the thing it says. The Heidelberg Catechism is a document used in the Reformed churches to help teach church doctrine. It takes the form of a series of questions and answers i.e., it's a catechism, to help the reader better understand the material. It's been translated into many languages and is regarded as the most influential Reformed catechism. Elector, Elector Frederick III, sovereign of the Palatinate, from 1559 to 1576, appointed Zacharias Ursinius and Caspar Olivanius to write a Reformed catechism based on input from leading Reformed scholars of the time, etc., etc. Now, one of these two dudes... Uh, now, the first question, by the way, I had a thesis one time, and my thesis was that only the Lutherans talked about comfort, comforting terrified consciences. 
And this thesis lasted for about 30 seconds because the first question of the Heidelberg Catechism is this. What is thy only comfort in life and in death? <laughs> there it is. How about that? See? So I, but I said, well, how could a Reformed Catechism have the first question being about comfort? What's going on here? There's got to trace back. They, they have to trace back to some Lutherans. So anyway, one of these guys, it turns out, either Zacharias or Kaspar, was a student of Melanchthon. Ah. And uh, must have learned about it there, see? That's, that's <laughs> so my question for you, though, is would you rather read the Heidelberg Catechism or the Heidelberg Disputation? Um, well, uh, well that's, a, that's a trick question. See, the Heidelberg Disputation, that should be your buzzword. The Heidelberg Disputation, is so Luther writes the 95 Theses, right? And he causes this big uproar. And everyone's, well, come down here to Heidelberg and give us some more theses to talk about. And he goes down there, and you think that he'd talk about indulgences, right? But he doesn't. I mean, this is going to be this, this is so disappointing. It'd be like um, it'd be like inviting a president to talk, and instead of talking about his presidency, which is really what you want to hear about, he talks about like the life of Abraham Lincoln or something. Like, what? <laughs> so Luther goes down to Heidelberg and gives these disputations where he coins the phrase "theology of cross" and "theology of glory." And you see that he's right on his way to law and gospel, but there's still some pro there's problems in Heidelberg disputation, just like there are problems in the Heidelberg Catechism. So <laughs> I don't know, take it or leave it, I suppose. All right, my theological buzzword for you is organism, and an organism <laughs> is an individual animal, plant, or single life, uh, single-celled life form, uh, the material structure of an individual life form, or a whole with independent parts likened to a living being. Oh, biology buzzword. <laughs> I, I'm, not, I'm against that being a theological buzzword. <laughs> I figured. <laughs> because this picture, you know, everyone, these all the church growth guys, all our church growth friends, all our dear friends who are bitten by the church growth dog, uh, are um, love to think of the church as an organism. See, the church is the body. That's what it says, the church is the body. But the pro they, they forget that the church is the body of Christ. It's not just like... So, so we go to biology, and we're like, what makes a body? Well, it can walk around, and it can poo, and it can have babies. <laughs> so the church has to also be able to walk around and have babies and go poop, you know? Like, what? what? That's, the, that's the dumbest thing in the world. The church is the body of Christ, which is a particularly unique body. I mean, his body has to happens to also be joined to the divine nature, two people in one. His body was crucified and was raised from the dead and sits at the right hand of the Father. I mean... The things that you say about every other kind of body, you cannot say about the body of Jesus. And that's the unique identity of the church. It's not, oh, yeah, look, we have to have organic metaphors to describe the growth of the church. That's insane. You know, uh, a healthy body is a reproducing body. But not the body of Jesus never reproduced. I mean, it's just <laughs> nuts. Hashtag typical Fort Wayne grad rant. <laughs> Organism. Yeah. The church is an organism. We need to be a healthy, growing organism. What? Where did you learn that kind of nonsense? It's not in the Bible. The church is a... Oh, brother. Ah, uh, that's your theological buzzword today. Now let's go to some emails. <laughs> <laughs> Would you look at that? Here, this is from Chris from Tillamook, Oregon. This is, you know, it's a neighborly email for you. Hey, that's awesome that there's three Lutherans in, in Oregon and they're all related to Table Talk Radio. Yeah. Hey there, Pastor G&W. That sounds like a brand of root beer. 
My weekly addiction has been satisfied once again. Uh, that must have been God Whispers must have come out. Uh, thank you for continuing to... Oh, that's us. Would you look at that? Uh, and thank you for sharing the extra goodies on the Wolfson Creative website, wolfsoncreative.com, where all your certificate needs are, needs are met. Oh, you know what? I, I know what this guy's talking about. Uh, what? One, we did that show with, uh, you know, that fool Mark Pearson that was on our show. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had to do some edits because he just interrupted in the middle of the, of, the, of the broadcast. And so I ran short. I needed to fill some time. So I put in your Wolfson Creative ads. <laughs> oh, you did? Yeah. Oh, that's great. Thanks for doing that. You're welcome. Uh, he says, as well as Pastor Pearson's blog and the web involvement on the 1517 site. That's, by the way, something I've never heard of before. He talked about uh, it on the Pastor air. <laughs> so exactly listening. Uh, let's see. Pastor Wolfman, I'm definitely going to show your site to my pastor at Redeemer. Thank you. Uh, by the way, good talk content, uh, around the table between y'all and Pastor Pearson. He really is able to explain the frustration involved in listening to Airman, how that frustration kind of percolates from the problematic nature of his rhetoric and disingenuous arguments, basically set up to mislead the uninformed. When I see how many, did Pearson talk about that? Ah, uh, if... Either him or I did. It was one of the two of us that said that. Okay. When I see how many people are being misinformed concerning the Scriptures and our Lord, I can't help but start to froth at the mouth for what is usually a long and uncertain amount of time. That's what we call theological rabies, by the way. <laughs> the Airman interview really bothered me, to say the least, so it's good to hear Airman or his arguments at least, take a good lashing. I'll also say that I recently took the time to pull up your worldview catalog on your website. It was, well, very neat. And I mean neat in the 1940s sense of the word. You should do another one. (laughs) All right. The problem with that worldview catalog is it grows organically. It's more like an organism. Whoa. All right. I'm giving you 500 Table Talk Radio points for using the buzzword so quickly. (laughs) It's, yeah, it's it's a it's an evolving sort of thing. That buzzword, ca- I mean, that worldview catalog almost makes me believe in evolution. <laughs> uh, Chris continues. Thanks for turning my question on the meaning of making all things new into an explanation of Christ and the forgiveness of sins. That must mean you're doing your job and doing it well. I am moved to find yet again the script that the scriptures are not about me but about Christ and the forgiveness that is mine in Him. I am given hope to know that my home is where righteousness dwells and that the glorious righteousness finds its object and substance in the presence of Christ our Lord, uh, Christ our righteousness. Amen. Uh, And then Chris continues, because the arrow cult is how I roll. Thanks sincerely, Chris Tillema. What's that arrow cult? That was an inside joke that I don't remember. Was it? uh, Was that his um, cult of pure doctrine? It may be. The arrow cult. We don't know. No, I think that was a joke that we made on the show. Oh, okay. The Arrow Cult. I can't remember. See, the problem is that our listeners assume that we listen to our own show or at least remember the things that we say. And I think that that's a poor assumption. Like that for, is. Like, for example, you, you've already forgotten what we're doing in the next segment. Uh, <laughs> yep. Cricket. Cricket. <laughs> All right. After this break, we're going to be playing Preaching to Hollywood. And then uh, we're going to get to oh, yeah, my favorite game. our brand new game. You're on Table Talk Radio. We'll be right back. And I said, what about breakfast at Tiffany? She said, I think I remember the film. As I recall, I think we both kind of liked it. And I said, well, that's the one thing we got. Have you ever felt like you were all alone in the world? 
you were probably listening to Table Talk Radio. Does your church have a worship service? Then you'll love the Institute on Liturgy, Preaching, and Church Music coming up in Seward, Nebraska this summer, July 28th through 31st. Uh, there's some good keynote speakers, including Dr. Kleinig, Paul Solak, and there's about a bajillion seminars and workshops and a bunch of other stuff. Uh, President Harrison's going to be there, the guys at Issues Etc., the other Lutheran radio show are going to be there. I'm going to be there hanging out. So if you want, you should come to this thing. So lcms.org slash events slash worship institute, and you can find it and register now. So uh, comfort, comfort ye my people, the 2014 Institute on Liturgy, Preaching, and Church Music. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. This is the segment in which we play a little preaching to Hollywood. This is the song, by the way. Or, sorry, this is the song. What is that song? Uh, I'll send it to you. The, I need to like make a playlist of bump songs. Every you always ask, what is that song? I'm like, I don't know. Um, but this is the game where we where we where we play a song. Look at the lyrics if we can find them, and then we do a little analyzing to see what is the theology or worldview behind the guy singing the song and how could we bring the gospel to such a person that's a that's a not always an easy endeavor but we try to do it here on table talk radio and uh, we have a i have a song for you pastor wolf miller here it is it's uh it's from a a band uh, by the name of magic and it's uh, a song called rude here it is saturday morning jumped out of bed Put on my best suit Got in my car Raced like a jet All the way to So, so this is what I'm getting from the story. So there's this there's this guy who you know was probably playing in a band. <laughs> he gets up uh, Saturday morning, puts on his best suit to go talk to the father of his of of his girlfriend because it says I know you're an old fashioned man and asked for his daughter's hand in marriage for the rest of his life and the guy says no <laughs> he says look you're a reggae you're in a reggae band no way man <laughs> it says i'll never get your blessing till the day i die tough luck my friend the answer is no and then the response is why you gotta be so rude <laughs> Yeah. Don't you know Dang I'm a it? human too? <laughs> That's funny. I thought this was going just like planned. Yeah, every, everything was great. Hey, can I marry your daughter? 
Nope. How rude. I, I would have. I, I would have do the song. They should do another song from the dad's choice. I woke up Saturday morning and some punk with long greasy hair came to the door to ask a question. Don't worry. Here's it. That's that'd be my song. I'd write that song. You know, thinking about Hannah. I was gonna say, punk. how old is Hannah? You'll be singing that song in about. Yeah, I know. I know. What? Twenty years. Thirty years. Forty years, maybe. No, you gotta be kidding me. You want to marry my daughter? No, what? Gotta, this is you're, a thing. You're um, gonna be the dad the, that's the, sitting out cleaning the shotgun when know, on I'm prom night. <laughs> buy a shotgun just for this very reason. I'm gonna go to the, the store guy. and say, "Get me your dirtiest shotgun." <laughs> I was gonna say, the, the guy's gonna show up and see that it was just taken out of the box. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I need a used shotgun. Never mind the bullets. I just need. Now, um, this is a thing where, <coughs> excuse me, the uh, the groom goes to ask the husband of the bride, or the girl, the daughter for the hand in marriage, and it says a fourth commandment and a sixth commandment thing, and you know where we see this most clearly is in um, uh, uh, in the name. So when when a parents have a daughter or a, a son for that matter, they give to that daughter their name and then when the man marries a woman he gives her a new name so she gives up her parents name her dad's name and takes her husband's name now this is really quite a thing uh that you know remember eve was the crown jewel of god's creation and um and that uh, men are there especially to protect and care for the women and children and so that's the father's duty to protect his children, especially his daughters. And then, then some dude comes along and says, "Yeah, I can take over." Oh, I got this. Oh, no way. <laughs> yeah. So, so I was. In fact, I was. You know, these conversations where you talk with the with the woman who's getting ready to be married, and she says, "I, uh, you, you know, to take my husband's name. That's going to be a difficult thing." Well, yeah, it is. But if you're not ready to take his name, then. Um, then it's you're not ready to be married to him. I mean, that's what part of marriage is, letting him protect you, letting him take over that role for, of what your father is. Okay, so I think this is going to be an interesting question. Let's say a young man in your congregation comes to you and says, Pastor, I asked uh, Julie or whoever, uh, I wanted to marry her, and I went to, the, went to her father, and he said, No, what do I do, Pastor? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I don't know. That's a really thing. I'll tell you this. I know that almost every marriage question, almost everything to do with marriage, the pastor comes into the conversation way too late. Yes, I agree <laughs> with that. So, so I, by the time I figure out people are getting married, uh, they already have the venue picked, the dresses bought, <laughs> the colors of the flowers, are, and they're like they're the going down the outline. checklist. And like that's right, we got we got everything here. Where it seems like there's something missing. Uh, oh yeah, we need a pastor. <laughs> you get a you get a call Friday night. Hey, we're at the dress rehearsal. Could could you do our wedding? <laughs> are you free tomorrow afternoon? Uh, oh yeah. boy. But so, I think but though be- I think I think that the, there's a, a follow up question. You know why? Why doesn't the father approve? And I think there right. could be good reasons and bad reasons, you know? I mean... That's right. Uh, in it, fact, you, there used to be this thing called the publishing of the bands. And uh, you would announce it in church. Whenever a couple was engaged, you would stand up in church and says, so-and-so has um, uh, is engaged to marry so-and-so, which will be at such and place and such and such a date. 
Does anyone have reason uh, that these two should not be united together in marriage? If so, speak now or forever hold your peace. That's called the publishing of the bans. So it wouldn't just be the parents that could stand up, but anyone could stand up in church or in a public forum and say, nope, can't be married because they didn't know this, but they're cousins or whatever. <laughs> or know? or that in you know before they had a more... I don't know, precise way of, of looking up who's already married uh, to know that, oh, so-and-so is already married. So, Yeah, that's right. But yeah, I think you, you make a good point. Is that Why would the father object to such a marriage? And, um, and if there's a, a, a reasonable objection, then you have to say, well, yes. If there's an unreasonable objection, like the father doesn't want him to get married because he can't afford a wedding or, or whatever... Uh, some sort of sinful reason, then you you wouldn't need to be obedient to that. But if the if the father had a godly reason, then you certainly would. So if the reason was that um, dad is a, a Baptist pastor and he doesn't want his daughter to marry a Lutheran, <laughs> this is tricky. Yeah. I think, <laughs> so first of all, we can say this with one hundred percent without question: is that Christians should marry Christians, no doubt about that. And I, and I think we can go further and, and say that um, we need to marry someone of our same convictions so that f- for a Baptist to marry a Lutheran or for a Catholic to marry a Methodist, there will be difficulties there. Who, where, did the children, where are the children baptized? Where, where are you going to church? Why, how can you teach the uh, catechism when you have different catechisms and things like this? And so we need to uh, be marrying folks that we share in the same confession. Yeah, and I think that's the difficulty. I mean, it's it's not. I mean, obviously, what you mentioned is is a difficulty as far as you know, how we're going to raise our children. But just uh, you know, the way that you um, uh, conduct your your life is going to be a, uh, make a difference too. Um, yeah. You know, it, it it it's it'd be one thing then to say uh, I'm united with you. We're of uh, of the same. Uh, we are one flesh, according to the scriptures. And yet we can't share the same altar. Yeah, that's right. We go to the we go to the altar to get married, but we can't go to that altar to be communed together. Yeah, and I've never seen it, ever seen it end well. I mean, especially I don't know how many disasters I've seen where a Christian gal goes and marries a non-Christian fella, and that is disastrous. I mean, just terrible. And you never see either one of them in church anymore. But um, but even of different you know even of different confessions. This is it. It can't end well, and we know. You know, sometimes uh, people get swept up in the in the romance of. Well, I don't know if you do know this, so let me explain it to you. Okay. Sometimes people get swept up in the romance of meeting someone new, uh, but you you and you consider, oh man, I really like being with this person. But you got to think. Uh, you're thinking long term now, so that marriage is not something to enter into lightly or inadvisedly. But you got to live with this person you know, for the next 50, 60, 70 years. And for that kind of thing, you need a lot of patience and grace, and you must be able to pray together. That's pretty important. Right. Okay, so with about 30 seconds, 30, 45 seconds, preach the gospel to this singer. <laughs> I don't know if he needs... I don't think he needs gospel. I think he needs law. Ah, okay. All right. <laughs> uh, you Listen to, the, listen to, the, uh, listen to this uh, lady's father. If you respect her, you also need to respect her family. That and that, yeah, that, that was the thing that I was going to say, too, that uh, if the father doesn't approve, then ask him, what can I do to uh, to gain your approval? 
Um, in other words, if there's something that he doesn't like about you, then maybe there's there's something in yourself that you need to improve, become better, so that you would be worthy to take his daughter in marriage. And I think that's a good place to start, at least. You know, okay, what's what's wrong? What what is it about me that you don't think uh, I would uh, be worthy of your daughter? And let's see if there's something I can change that. Yeah, right. All right. Well, that was preaching to Hollywood. And then after this break, we're going to be going to uh, play a little false teacher, false taught. We'll explain it. We'll be right back. One of the best decisions you've made today. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. All right, welcome back to Table Talk Radio. Okay, Pastor, this game is a brand new one, and I think we're still messing around with the name, but the kind of working title we have for this game is False teacher, false taught, and uh, I need you to help me understand what this is. Yeah, so uh, there's this great little line in Luther in his introduction to the Galatians commentary, and he says, we have to distinguish between the false, the false teacher and the falsely taught because we deal with them in different ways. Uh, and, and the image that he gives is like a child that's bit by the dog. So you have a child that's bit by the dog, and what do you do is you kick the dog and you console the child. I think that's what the name should be. Kick the dog, console the child. Do you remember in the break when I told you we should get that Luther quote? And no. you said you didn't know what I was talking about? Mm. Do you remember that? that? Wasn't, no. Wasn't that was the attention. quote I was talking about. <laughs> like normal. I was not paying attention. <laughs> She's got some great news on the text message over here that a family the church just had a new baby. So All I'm right. excited about that. But now, I, uh, so that was what I was paying attention to. Now, so that's the Luther quote, and that's what he says. Now, I think uh, this is a nice insight to be able to say that we deal with a false teacher differently than we deal with someone who's falsely taught. So the false teacher needs a bit of rigor and sternness. The, what the falsely taught need is a bit of gentleness and comfort. So it's a distinction but really between law and gospel, the way, the way we treat this. Now, the, part of the reason why this game was invented, invented, did it? Invented. Invented is in a word. Invented. I just invented. I just invented it. Distinction between the rant of the radio and the peaceful conversation that doesn't happen on the radio. I mean, one of the problems is that the thing that makes good radio is the rant. Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh uh-uh. uh. Typical Fort Wayne rant. Oh. Nope. <laughs> well. I probably don't know that much about it either. But anyway, on the radio, we tend to rant, and that would be good directed at false teachers. But sometimes we forget that there are people who hold to these particular ideas that are just trying to sort through these things. And what they probably don't need is a rant, but a peaceful kind of conversation. So so we don't want to lose the rant. <laughs> we would never want to do that. The fine art of the radio rant, but we would also <laughs> like to uh, infuse a little graciousness in there. So, Did so you just say so, infuse a little graciousness in there? Yeah. Why you got to be so complicated? I'm going to go off on a rant on infused a, grace. I know, I know. It's just like your, your rhetoric comes straight out of Trent. <laughs> now, 
<laughs> so the idea here is we'll take a theological question, like, do you mean baptism saves? Or how come you guys are so rude and don't let uh, Methodists come to communion or whatever? That's two good examples right there. And then we'll we'll take a uh, we'll take a stab at the teacher, the false the false teacher, and that will sound an awful lot like a rant. Okay, well since since I only know how to comfort the child in in a very pastoral and kind way, <laughs> that's right. Why don't you handle the uh, the, the the false teacher? The rant part. <laughs> okay, you so why why can't my Methodist grandma come to communion? Oh, you want to start with that one, do you? Um, so this, if when the, so when the question of closed communion comes up, and we're dealing with a teacher who's railing against closed communion, then we're probably up against someone who holds the philosophical argument that there can be no unity in doctrine. I've never, in fact, there's two things that the person who is against closed communion always seems to share, and number one is that it's not truly the body and blood of Jesus. Mm. And number two is that there's no possibility of unity of doctrine. And those two things are patently false. After all, it is Jesus who says, this is my body, take it and eat it. And this is the, um, and this is the blood of the New Testament, which was shed for you for the remission of sins. Uh, and that's pretty simple. So that's the first thing. And then the second thing is, not only is the idea that the church is unified in doctrine possible, it's even necessary. So that we have page after page of the scriptures with commands like this, be of one mind, be united, think the same thing, beware of false teachers, etc. And anyone, anyone who would deny the possibility of unity in doctrine denies the sufficiency and the clarity of the scriptures. In fact, they've exalted their own reason over God's word. And, and, and in a show of humility, they have, in fact, exalted themselves. You know, there, uh, there is this thing where people say, no, we can't say that we have the right doctrine. That's too prideful. So that means that humility is saying that we have the wrong doctrine or we probably have the wrong doctrine. But that's just absurd. I mean, in fact, you, you wouldn't say you have the wrong doctrine, but you would say that right doctrine or orthodoxy is an impossible thing to achieve. And that's not, that's not uh, uh, humility. That's pride. That's arrogance to say that you can't have. Because we're not saying that we, are, we have the right doctrine because we're so smart that we figured it out. We're saying we have the right doctrine because we simply believed what Jesus said and that he said it clearly. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, I I think that's right. And you know, we have said this before that you know everyone in heaven is a Lutheran, right? <laughs> and it's and it's not because it's not because you have to be a Lutheran to get to heaven. Heavens, no. But it's when when you get to heaven, then you believe God as as He has revealed Himself in the Scriptures, and so you'd be believing like a Lutheran. <laughs> mm -hmm. But here's the thing. Uh, if you don't think the same thing about your own belief, if you're not a Lutheran, then you're saying that you don't think that you what you believe is true. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. It's kind of G.K. Chesterton. Remember G.K. Chesterton? Uh, he was uh, the big fat Catholic sm cigar smoking guy who debated all the atheists back in 1900. Anyhow, he said this great line. He says that modern man has pride and despair in the wrong place. Man was meant to be humble about himself and sure of his doctrine. But modern man is uh, is sure about himself and humble about his doctrine. 
That's you see great. That? Uh, that's so great. I'm so sure of myself that I'm pretty sure I don't have the doctrine right. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a hidden form of pride, and it's horrible. And that's behind the rejection of closed communion. Because if we can't have the same doctrine, then how could we ever say that someone who doesn't share our doctrine can't come to communion. You see what I mean? Right, right. Oh, it's just arrogant. And now it becomes a matter of my opinion is better than yours. God perish the thought that opinion has a place in the church. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <sighs> okay, so now to uh, to speak to the, uh, the, the sweet old lady who wants her uh, family member to come to uh, communion who is of some other confession, um, we, would, we would want to point out then to... Uh, to this dear lady, how come it's a sweet old lady that has to has to? It can't be like some like lumberjack guy. Anyway, I know <laughs> you're you're kind of a what you are. Thanks you're something. So so we want to uh, bring them to uh, two points in the scriptures. We want to uh, point out that um, uh, that that Saint Paul uh, teaches us about this as we've been talking about this uh, unity in doctrine and doctrine in coming to confession, uh, so that the, our uh, our, our, when we come to the Lord's table at a church, we are confessing by our going to communion that we are one with that church. We, we believe what that church believes. And it's uh, disingenuous at the least for someone to say, uh, I believe what you believe, if in fact they have never even been taught what it is that we believe. <laughs> I mean, it's it's just impossible. How can you say, I believe what you believe, if you don't know what it is we believe? And so at the very least, you would have to leave gone, gone through some instruction to understand what it is that we believe. But also the, the other concern here, as St. Paul also says in 1 Corinthians, is that there are those in, in Corinth who are receiving this very thing, this uh, Christ's body and blood, and they're not judging rightly what it is that they're believing. This, uh, this, that this would actually be the true presence of God, uh, in with and under the the bread and wine. So there were those in Corinth who were were taking uh, uh, communion and they were you know, getting drunk at the Lord's Supper. They're treating it as any order, any other ordinary uh, snack or drink, and that's not what it is. And so Saint Paul said, "This is why some of you." Have become sick, and some have even died. Now, now this is God's word proclaiming to us that some that He has um, shown His judgment upon some in inflicting sickness and even death because they took the Lord's supper without properly discerning what it is that they're receiving. Uh, because, as we know, the the Lord's presence, apart from the forgiveness of sins, uh, is a dangerous thing. And so uh, we must then believe in these words given for you for the forgiveness of your sins. And so we want to protect uh, your family member who does not believe this uh, and, uh, and, and teach them what it is they believe so they can, they can join in our doctrinal unity, but there's a certain process in doing that. I heard every word that you said there. <laughs> it was great. Each one of them. All right. Each and every word. <laughs> it is nice, though, to, to be able to say, hey, look, there's a matter of protection here. And also, it's an expression of not only our love for the person, but also a love for the Lord's word. To say, hey, uh, we want to treasure each and every word that Jesus speaks and to say that this isn't important enough for us to work towards a unity on then um, is, an, is a denial of the importance of the Lord's Word as well. So that's a, a nice thing to I, add. I have a pastor friend who uh, got in trouble for writing a, a, a blog post 
that was titled something like "Friends Don't Let Friends Practice Open Communion." <laughs> so anyway, nice. that's all the time we have for this uh, for this segment of the program. Um, what do we call that? Kick the dog, comfort the child. Yeah, we that's play good. that, we'll again, that again on a uh, table talk radio near you. After this commercial break, we're going to be looking at some uh, news items. What's in the news? We're playing a little Ten Commandments in the news. If you want to give us a call, the number is 1-800-385-SOLA, 1-800-385-7652. We'll be right back. Listening to Table Talk Radio, Serious Theology, Seriously Bad Hosts. Work it, make it, do it, makes us honor, better, faster, stronger. Got that, 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 that don't kill me, can only make us stronger. I need you to hurry up now, cause I can't wait much longer. You know, that wouldn't necessarily be true of like a coma. But that which doesn't kill me can only make me stronger. Not true. <laughs> or Not debilitating true. food poisoning from eating <laughs> raw chicken. Just saying. This this is the service we provide to you uh, on Table Talk Radio. You know who apparently said that? That which doesn't kill me makes me stronger? Do tell. The German philosopher Nietzsche. Oh, yeah, that uh, that strong Christian guy. <laughs> <laughs> Nietzsche. Who he, said God is dead. I was reading a book and it had a Nietzsche quote in there, and uh, and he apparently said there was some big p- to tsunami. How many silent letters are in the word tsunami? <laughs> Anyhow, killed a hundred thousand people, and he was writing about it, and he said, "How delightful!" <laughs> what a punk! Was was anyway. that sarcasm? No. Because he was, you know, he was he was completely godless. So it was a matter of strength, and so if you to look at raw strength like nature like that and see it just wipe out a hundred people in a blink, he'd say that is awesome. Huh. Well, you know, thus spoke Zarathustra. Well, I, I, I understand. I just, I most people don't take their uh, ideologies to their logical conclusions. So yeah. that e- even if you had an ideology like that, and then you see a tornado wipe out a whole town or something like that, you would say, "Oh, this is terrible." Yep. You see the suffering, but no, that's not right. Nietzsche. He'll he'll right. tell it how it is, I guess. That's right. All right. So in this game, Ten Commandments in the News, we uh, read a news item and then uh, discuss which of the Ten Commandments are involved in the story. This helps you, um, I guess, uh, apply the catechism, the Ten Commandments, to your everyday life. It doesn't have to be a breaking of the commandment, but just how it is involved. So if it's you know, talking about money, we might say it's the Seventh Commandment. For example, you shall not steal. So what yep. what do you have in the news today, Pastor? What All right here, I got I got four options for you. Ready? I'll read you the head. Excuse me, the headlines, and you tell me which ones you want to talk about. NHS worker who bullied Muslim by praying for her. Second, Hobby Lobby decision shows the culture war isn't over; it's only just begun. Third, Dearborn Mosque two Korans were burned in front of the mosque. Or fourth, Sir Elton John says Jesus would have supported gay marriage. Ooh. <laughs> This is a quite a lineup here. You know, I found all these on Facebook. Wonderful. 
Okay. Uh, let me. I'm. I think I'm going to do options two and four, providing we have time. So let's do Hobby right. Lobby first. All right. This is. Uh, this is from the Federalist. You know that. Our, that's a nice little oh, website. I've heard of Federalist. that. Molly's. Our friend Molly Ziegler Hemingway. Right for this one. All right. Uh, the Supreme Court has issued a narrow ruling in favor of Hobby Lobby, exempting them from the requirement to provide coverage of all FDA-approved contraceptives because of their religious objection. Got that? We, do we need to go and explain that? Well, uh, I didn't know that the judgment came out. Was that just today? Yeah. Oh. Uh, June 30th. Is that today? Yeah. Boom. Today. That's when we're recording this show, by the way. Top secret. You're, you, listener, are getting top secret insight on the workings of this show. Now, what's interesting, happening. I know this is, I mean, this is kind of obnoxious, but I I have, what, three or four different news apps on my phone. i got Fox News, got CNN. Uh, a couple others, and uh, they usually give me little bleeps when there's breaking news comes out, and none of those news outlets thought that was worthy enough news to send me a little bleep on my phone. Yeah, I, anyway. I believe that. Uh, now, I, this is the editorial comment. I wonder if I should keep reading this or if I should flip over to the actual news core thing, but yeah, I'll just keep going for a little bit. So now, do you, oh, do you want to explain what this was, whole thing was about? Oh, yeah. So, so as you may know, um, uh, the HH mandate for the uh, new Affordable Health Care Act, uh, affectionately known as Obamacare, Obamacare. required uh, employers to provide um, uh, money for employees to receive uh, contraceptive drugs and whatnot. Included in these were particular drugs that um, uh, would cause abortion, abortion-causing drugs. And so... Hobby Lobby is a is a company who has decided they want to conduct their business in, in according to their religion, according to Christian ethics and everything else, and so uh, and so they said no, we you cannot make us pay for these drugs that are go against our conscience, and this is a on the a basis of our religious beliefs. So that was the the issue at hand. Yeah. Now I'll continue with this article. Following oral artic- arguments, I was not optimistic prior to the ruling. The court could have. Bought into the argument that Hobby Lobby can't really complain about this requirement. Will they have the capability to not offer coverage at all instead of shifting people under their employee to taxpayer via Medicaid or the exchanges? The penalty for offering coverage, which fails to meet essential benefits, is clearly absurd and sizable, but the penalty for not offering coverage at all would actually cost them less than offering coverage in the first place, $26 million a year. The gun-to-your-head penalty was the one which moved the court on the Medicaid federalism question before in a ruling that unexpectedly led to half of the states declining to expand Medicaid. Kagan and Sotomayor, those are justices, right, stressed that in oral argument, and I expected the court would find this removes the pressure of an actual requirement. You can understand the reasoning. It's uh, just like that requirement to purchase insurance. It's not illegal. It's just a tax. <laughs> written sarcastically. <laughs> Instead, the court has issued a narrowly favorable ruling which, while protecting the religious liberty of closely held corporations and deeming corporate owners as persons under the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, since indeed they are, could a very similar effect could have a very similar effect for the rest of us as a decision which found against Hobby Lobby while allowing them to push the cost for some contraceptives into the rest of the populace. A closely held corporation is one of... As I wrote in the the transom back in March, the likeliest scenario is that Hobby Lobby's unwillingness to pay for four forms of birth control, Plan B, Ella, and the two IUDs, 
for their employees leads all of us having to pay for them instead, either through subsidies or through Medicaid, and that's what's probably going to happen, et cetera. Okay. So to just kind of boil down what all that said, um, what this is going to happen is that Hobby Lobby doesn't have to pay for it, but then the rest of us will through our tax dollars. It ends up doing it, something like that. Yeah, that's the worry. But still, this is a nice uh, thing that the Supreme Court ruled this way. Was it like Uh, a five to four decision? Is that what it was? I don't know. It looks like. Okay. It's close. Well, okay, so let's let's deal with the Ten Commandments. Um, let's start with the second table, and we'll go to the first. Second right. table is the fourth commandment is definitely involved here because um, we are dealing with the government. And so when the government says, you must uh, do this, and doing this would cause us to sin, the Scriptures say that we obey God rather than men. Um, so fourth commandment, the governing authority uh, is over us. Now, the fifth commandment in you shall not murder is involved here because the fifth commandment deals with the issue of life. And uh, we believe that, as I think the scriptures uh, uh, would, would also affirm, that, uh, the, that from the moment of conception, a, a, life, a life is there. There's a, there's a human life that's involved as soon as uh, sperm meets the egg. And so uh, we have to protect that life from that moment on. Uh, from the beginning to end, as as it's sometimes coined, uh, womb to tomb, and so to to provide these drugs to your employees would actually be involving the fifth commandment. Um, so that's definitely there. Uh, sixth commandment, um, n- not really. You could maybe get it by extension in, in saying that uh, this discussion about uh, children has to do with the family, but that's a bit of a stretch. Mm-hmm. The seventh commandment is, is in the money that's involved here. The money hey, that I, we, would, I, yeah. I don't know if you should go for, so fast, but because I think I do think the sixth commandment is involved in in uh, especially in reproductive rights. So oh, sure, yeah, yeah. So um, so anyway, yeah, good. I think you, I think sixth commandment is is going on here. In fact, I think you know the children. The, this whole thing about abortion, almost every abortion. Uh, I mean, some. I, ginormous percentage of abortions are the result of the breaking of the Sixth Commandment. Right. No, I, I agree. It is very, very rare that a husband and wife would go to terminate a pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we have the Seventh Commandment in uh, dealing with money, the money that uh, would have to you know, be involved in here. That's, that's pretty clear. Um, eighth Commandment in the courts, uh, because this is what the entire court is for. Uh, in in uh, the uh, witnesses, um, so uh, eighth commandment, ninth and tenth, uh, maybe not nine and ten, but in the second table we have four, five, six, seven, and eight. That's a pretty good one. Uh, I'm going to add nine and ten in there because you have. I mean, uh, most of the time, the reason given for abortion is a matter of convenience, and so um, it's almost all almost always a matter of covetousness. Um, the the the, You're, the coveting freedom from right, change diapers, yeah. Or it's the discontent of of having to care for a child and responsibility and stuff. So oh, okay, uh, to go to the first table, we would have um, obviously the first commandment because whenever you break any of the commandments, it shows that you're not fear, loving, and trusting in God. So first commandment there. Do we have a second commandment here in uh, using, misusing the Lord's name? Uh, only insofar as the way that we uh, live and act uh, in our lives does bear witness to the God that we worship. And so if Hobby Lobby said, okay, no problem, we'll pay for this, 
Uh, we'd love to, no problem. They would be making a confession that they don't take the, their God very seriously, they, that they claim to be um, Christians, followers of Christ, and then it doesn't matter what the Bible says. Um, and then the third commandment, um, I don't think that we had a third commandment issue in here, did we? Uh, I don't know. I don't think so. I think that's going to do it. And that's going to take us to the end of the show. So, Whoa. again, we want to invite you to give us a call, 1-800-385-SOLA, 1-800-385-7652. Thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Where the points are like fruit picked from the organ. Thanks for listening to this edition of, of Table tree. Talk Radio. Table Talk Radio growing is not for everyone. Life Please giving consult your pastor before listening tree. to Table Talk Radio. <laughs> reproducing and hallucinations and aversion to pooping. I already gave you 500 points for that. Halitosis, lung cancer, brain tumors, Oh yeah. It's like a long time ago. Craving to smell your backseat. Should have mentioned the Heidelberg Catechism on that last time. Oh, yeah. And falling off your treadmill. For more information, visit tabletalkradio.org. 